0: Grace be to you and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this particular Sunday is written in the book of Jeremiah. We read the first few verses from the first chapter. The word of the Lord came to me. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. But I said, Ah, Lord God, I really do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. The Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a child. You must go to everyone to whom I send you and say, whatever i command you do not be afraid of them because i am with you and will rescue you declares the lord then the lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth the lord said to me there i have now placed my words in your mouth look today I point you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant so far. Dear friends in Christ, it does not certainly happen to everyone but it sure does happen to a lot of us. And that is, what should I be? What should I do with my life? A lot of you can recall when you were a little child, someone coming to you and saying, now what are you going to be when you grow up? And you didn't know how to answer. Should you go to college or should you go into the workforce? And if you go to, into to college, what should you become? And once you're in the workforce, then there's sometimes it doesn't seem to be fulfilling. A lot of you have struggled with that. What was often forgotten is what does my God have in all of this? What part is He of the equa- equation? What happens if I get a job where I know beforehand my faith is going to be placed in jeopardy or challenged? What if my job is going to take me far away from a church where I know the Word of God is taught, as you heard from Paul write to Timothy, in its truth and purity, or will be preached to itching ears? Our text for today takes us into the life of a man who didn't have that struggle. God told him directly what he was to do and what he was to become. He didn't have to lay there in his bed and say, well, should I become a carpenter or an electrician or a nurse or a teacher? God came to him and said, this is what I want you to be. And we, of course, can take this as just a story of ancient history, sit back in our chairs and say, oh, that's interesting, or maybe it isn't. What does it have to say about my life? What does it have to say about my priorities? What does it have to say about some of my doubts? With that in mind, I'd like to take you back in spirit about 2,600 years, or 600 years before Christ. God's special nation. The nation of Israel was divided into 12 tribes, and that that word 12 tribes doesn't, it just doesn't jive with our way of thinking. So right now, think of it as 12 different counties Ten of those counties, because of their unbelief, had been swallowed up, taken off by the Assyrians, and you know what congregation? They've never been found since. The other two tribes down in the south, and they were called Judah, had kings and leaders that were good and bad, and they hung on for a while, but basically they were going downhill spiritually. So God had some plans for them, and they were through the prophet Jeremiah. And these first verses are really rather astonishing when you think about them. We read that, that uh, the word of the Lord came to me, God himself came to Jeremiah and said, what? I have set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. That's your job. Complete conformity with my will. You're to be a prophet. Now what's that? In teaching hundreds of kids in Confirmation. I think the general idea is that a prophet is kind of a fortune teller. Well, on occasion they could and did do that. But their primary task was to be a fourth setter. They would be what we call today a pastor or a teacher. God called Jeremiah to preach his word. And as he says later on, I want you to tear down and build up. I want you to uproot and I want you to plant. And our terminology would be I want you to preach the law and I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to tear people down and tell them they're damnable sinners going to hell and appoint them to the beautiful Savior from that condition in Jesus Christ. Some of you, I'm sure, have in a sense tried to share Christ with someone in your family, a neighbor, and you got nowhere. And maybe the problem was that the person didn't realize they had a problem. Imagine this for a moment. I'm going to use the male genders here. You're home this afternoon watching some of the big football games this weekend, and all of a sudden you hear sirens coming up to your house, you see red lights flashing. You, see, you look out the window and you see squad cars blocking the street. You see four fire trucks in front of you. You walk out onto your porch and you see someone pulling a, a, the hose. And you, you say, what's up? There's no fire here. And you see your neighbors looking out and, and you're kind of embarrassed, aren't you, because of those fire trucks? But you have no problem. But if there's a fire at your house, you can't wait for those fire trucks. You see the point? There's no need of talking about a Savior until you need to be saved. Congregation, when when our gracious God called you and me to be Christians, along with that calling, was just like automatically you are to be my spokesman, my witnesses. If you're alive, you breathe. If you breathe, you're alive. If you're a Christian, God calls you to witness. God calls you to share. And it's the same thing. You have to tear down and build up to pull out the weeds and to replant some good seeds. It's not an easy task. None of us wants to be unpleasant. None of us wants to be disliked. None of us wants people to (laughs) think we're toxic. We can't tell them one thing needful (laughs) until they know they need it. How did Jeremiah respond to this? (laughs) Well, listen. But I said, oh, Lord God, I really do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. Did you hear him say, great, I'm going to be a prophet? When do I check in? When do I start? The NIV translated, oh, sovereign Lord. You have to have made a mistake. I'm just a child, and I don't communicate well. How in the world am I to be a preacher and a teacher? And this is what God says. Do not say, I am only a child. You must go to everyone to whom I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. Because I'm with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. God says, Jeremiah, let's quit playing these games. I know you better than you know yourself. I knew you before you were formed. I don't make mistakes. I called you and I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to give you my word to share. You heard your pastor a few moments ago eloquently say that there are a lot of preachers that preach to itching ears to build up a, a large congregation and say, Oh, my goodness. God says to preachers, No, no, no. You share my word. And God says that to you. It's not just pastors or teachers or what." God says, preach the word, be my witnesses. He he didn't say, you have a choice. He just said, you are that. Now, you can be a witness in a lot of ways. The way you live, the way you react to adversities, your priorities, those are all great and wonderful. And maybe you're lucky enough to have someone come to you and say, hey, what makes you tick? You're just different in a good sense. But at some point... We need to share the word. Jesus Christ is the Savior for myself and the world. And to say, ah, oh, Lord, I'm only a child. If you can honestly say, well, I'm only a child of my knowledge of the word of God, that can be changed. There is a place For Christians, to have genuine humility and to know that they have these gifts and those gifts and someone has more better, that's okay. But that doesn't excuse us to say don't use the gift that you have. You mothers, you have no idea of the power that you have and what you say, you may not see the results immediately. But those words are powerful. They take a, they apply and root it into the minds of these young, tender young children. Then God did something else to Jeremiah. Listen to this. This is amazing. Then the Lord... Sh- stretched out his hand, and touched my mouth. The Lord said to me, There, I have placed my words in your mouth. Look today. I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. I don't know how this happened, but Jeremiah had God (laughs) reach, touch his mouth, and say, put my word in your mouth. It's all you need. You don't have to be, have to be the greatest preacher. You don't have to be the greatest communicator. Reach my word. It's living and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword. I want to share with you two stories. And listen closely, particularly to the first one, because you're going to be asked something to respond after the service. I had a friend of mine write me a couple weeks ago, and he told me that he had made a resolution on New Year's Eve that he was going to witness and share Christ with all the people in his block or whatever. He lives in a cul-de-sac. I think there were 17, 18 homes, and most of the people he didn't know, he was going to make a point to witness to each and every one of those people. And so he went with a little sticky note and went to every one of those homes and stuck on the door. I'm going to stop later and share some good news with you. And then he went home, and he wrote out, typed out, what he was going to say to these people. He would use the law, he would use the gospel, he would share that they were going to hell, and saved by Jesus, and so on and so forth. Then he went back to those houses. And he said, I'm the one that left that sticky note on your door. I want to share some good news with you. And if you don't think it's good news, then I'll give you this. They held up a crisp $100 bill. If you don't think it's good news, then I'm going to give you this. Well, I wrote back to him. He wanted my my thoughts on it. And I wrote back to him. I said, "Fred, that wasn't his name. You put me to shame in the way you are willing to witness. I only can encourage you and compliment you and pray for you that your witnessing is successful. Don't like using that word, but." He wrote back to me. He said, well, thank you. But you didn't address the thing I'm most interested in hearing your opinion. What do you think about holding up that $100 bill? And I wrote back to him and said, Brad, I I didn't address that on purpose. Because I don't know quite what to say. I've never heard anyone doing that. So I'd like to hear your opinions. (laughs) Tell me after the service. You think, standing on a doorstep, saying, I've got some great, wonderful news to tell you, and if you don't think it's that, I'm going to give you $100. Is that a fantastic way to get people's attention? Or is it something kind of chintzy and cheap? I haven't responded to my friend. I really would like your opinion. But the point is, the make point is, isn't that an encouragement for each of us to have a plan Yes, there are going to be occasions when it's going to be a snap of the finger situation, but there can be a plan too. I know your pastor well enough. if you wrote out something and showed it to him, he'd be more than happy to say, "Well, you could probably say this or polish it up." many of us don't say, "Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, I'm only a child. I can't communicate." You see, it's easy in church to sit back and fold our hands and cross our legs and say, "Uh, it's great for Jeremiah. God is putting his finger, as it were, in our response and saying, what about you? Remember that what we're sharing is powerful and active. And that's the second story I want to share with you. Many years ago, I had a lady in the congregation, we'll call her Barb, that wanted to get an unbiblical, unscriptural divorce. She wasn't happy in her marriage, felt she wasn't being fulfilled, and there was apparently someone there in the background already She wanted to get a divorce from her husband. And I told Barb, you're defying the word of your God. You're going against the oath you took when you and -and so-and-so got married. It is not God's will. Do you have some biblical reasons other than you just want out of this? And she, of course, over the course of days, she just didn't want to hear anything I had to say. And finally I had to say to her, Well, Barb, the Bible tells me now how I need what I need to do, and I need to follow Matthew chapter 18. I need to bring a couple of leaders of the congregation along. And if that doesn't work, then this has to become a whole congregational matter and love, deal with you. Well, she wanted nothing to do with that. Absolutely nothing to do with it. She quit the church on the spot, and I never saw her again. Years went by. Years went by. I never saw her. And then one New Year's Eve, I was in bed, yes, sleeping, and the phone rang this was before the days of cell phones. I got up and wandered into my office thinking, "Oh boy. one of the members was in a car accident or something." I said, "Hello," And she responded, "This is Barb saying. "This is Barb." And I could hear in the background and she was attending some New Year's party. The way she talked, you could tell she had a couple of glasses of the bubbly or whatever. And she brought up our conversation of years past. Why am I telling you this? She could ignore it. She could disobey what I had to say. She could... Say God's word, I don't care what it says. But God's word is active and powerful. And even after all these years it was like a burr in the saddle. That law that I had shared with her was still bothering her. I don't know how the story ended. I never saw her again. She may be dead. The point I am trying to make with you today is this that when you witness, when you share God's word, and not your feelings, you have implanted a seed that is powerful, living, and alive. And the rest we have to leave up to our God. We can look back on the life of Jeremiah and probably say what he did was essentially a waste of time. A few years later, the whole nation of Judah was captured by the Babylonians and led off into captivity. But he did what God wanted him to do. Maybe there was one, two, three, five, ten, twenty, a hundred people in that nation that did repent and did believe. We are so orientated with numbers and statistics that sometimes we forget God is interested in individual souls. Only you. Live in your little world. Only you, as it were, has your set of relatives, your in-laws, your outlaws, and friends. God calls upon you and me to witness, to share His Word. You heard it in our epistle lesson. You heard it in the gospel lesson. You hear it in the Old Testament reading. It's all the same chorus. Preach the Word. Share the word. It's powerful. It's active. I don't know about holding up a $100 bill. I've never heard that before in my entire life. I know if Pastor has or not. But I sure appreciate your opinion. But my point is to plant a seed in you to witness wherever you're at not your feelings, what you think. You you could have said to that woman, Ah, great, I know your husband. He's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. No, Barb. This is the will of God. Today's text has some amazing things in it. But it sure causes each one of us to look back to our own hearts and lives and say, Now what about Jeremiah? What about me? Okay? Amen. Please rise.